Hello and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast where it comes in 30 minutes or less or it's free. I'm Emily. I'm Sarah. Um, Emily, you do know that like 75% of that statement was wrong, right? might come in 30 minutes or less i'll talk real fast go and go pizza it's our guarantee pizza pizza yes i'm already pizza. hungry for pizza unsurprisingly I haven't even started i have been researching this for the last month i am maybe over pizza for a little while I not because i'm you. about to lay some information on you that's gonna ruin pizza just because like i ate a lot of pizza <laughs> for this episode i was gonna say if i had to research pizza like all you need to do to like make me want pizza really badly is just like mention its existence like once i remember that i don't want to eat anything else well good news we're about to talk about it a lot great yeah i figured i should probably take like a sharp turn away from what was becoming like emily does religion and do something else but some people think of this as a well, that they don't think of it as a religion. Like it just. I was gonna say I can still see an underlying theme here. Yes. So it's pizza day, and uh, pizza. If I were Avalon and had no regard for copyright laws, I would play the Aquabat song right now. But we're gonna leave the uh, copyright infringement to Boo Haha, because <laughs> the network doesn't have enough money to cover legal fees for both of us. You're probably not thinking, but there's maybe someone at home who's like Emily. There's not enough material on pizza to do an entire show. You should have done a mini on it. <laughs> but let me tell you, there is. Um, so today's sources are uh, Pizza, A Global History by Carol Heltowski, or Helstowski, sorry, Carol, uh, and Pizza Cultura by Mark Sinillo, uh, with some extra stuff from a History Today article called A History of Pizza, uh, some Wikipedia supplementing, and that. But mostly those two books. So you didn't just read one book. I read, read two entire books. Two books about I don't know pizza. why this is the episode where I'm like, I'm going all in. Are you now a pizza expert? Eh, I'm a pizza casual enthusiast. That's fair. I'll take that. I can't, like, I can go to the Olympics for pizza enjoying because I'm not a professional. <laughs> anyway. No one's paying you to like pizza. No. Uh, Not until people start paying our tip jar. Uh, so shout out to the Multnomah County Library. <laughs> you guys are the best. All right. In the beginning, there was but simple flatbread, one of mankind's oldest prepared foods that's been around for roughly 10,000 years, as far back as early Egyptians. Uh, since flatbreads... Hmm? pretty impressive for bread. Yeah, and there's even evidence that some Neolithic peoples uh, were making a batter out of, uh, like, roughly chopped grains, chopped ground, ground grains. Ground, yeah. And water, and they were cooking it on a hot stone, like a pancake. Yeah, say, well, I guess if you, like, haven't figured out yeast yet, you're not very sophisticated, flatbread would kind of be the first thing you made. Yeah, um, it's pretty easy to make. Yeah. Uh, since flatbreads were invented, people have been putting shit on them to make them more exciting. <laughs> uh, Persian soldier, soldiers during the rule of King Darius the first baked flatbreads with cheese and dates uh, on top of their battle shields. That sounds good. Yeah, right? I eat that. Right? I don't Only know. on top of a shield, though. <laughs> I feel like that's the trick. Yeah, the uh, enemy blood makes it taste better. Yeah. 
the dirt, especially. Mm. The ancient Greeks supplemented their breads with oils, herbs, and cheese. So a pizza. Sort of. Uh, an early reference to a pizza-like food occurs in the uh, Aenid, a poem by Virgil, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing right, but we're going to say I am. Um, when Selenio, queen of the harpies, foretells that the Trojans would not find peace until they are forced by hunger to eat their tables. Later, uh, Aeneas and his men are served a meal that includes round cakes, like a pita bread, that are topped with cooked vegetables. When they eat the bread, they realize that these are the, quote, tables that were prophesied. <gasps> Prophecy pizza. Yeah, I, I have literally eaten that exact meal, though. Like a pita <laughs> with a bunch of roasted vegetables on it. So. Yeah. Honestly, it wasn't amazing, but, you know, simple, healthy food, whatever. Uh, so almost every culture on this planet has some version of a flatbread. But I would venture to say that no one really went the fuck for it like Italy did. I mean, that tracks. Yeah. Maybe the Greeks. Um, but Italy has at least 11 different varieties of flatbread, probably more. Damn. I read like eight pages of descriptions of Italian flatbreads. That's too many pages of flatbreads. I want garlic bread real bad. So there was the uh, Piadina Romagnola, blah, 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 uh, which is a very thin unleavened bread from the Emilia Romagna region. Uh, the Torta al Testo, a light fluffy bread that's used to accompany stews. Ooh. And focaccia, a dense bread that has been soaked and baked in a pan of olive oil and sprinkled with salt, just like the good Lord intended. I am so hungry. I make amazing for focaccia. focaccia. I use a, a lemon garlic parsley flavored <sighs> olive oil. Damn. So there's like that lemony garlickiness all the way through. And then Emily, use a big stop. Like, chunky stop. sea salt. Stop. <laughs> I'm dying and we are 10 minutes in. Are, are you going to order a pizza for dinner? I already had dinner. <laughs> it's your I fault for not planning ahead. I'm definitely going to go get some punch pizza tomorrow though. Oh, fuck. Punch pizza is so good. I've been there. For the uninitiated, Punch Pizza is a local chain of uh, wood fire pizza. I think it's like Napoli pizza from Naples, that style. You might get into it. I don't we know. We are because it's Naples is good. where pizza originated. Yeah, so it's good pizza. Actually, the next sentence in my notes is, but the real star here came to Naples in roughly Hell yeah. in the uh, in roughly the 1800s when peasants gave us a gift that uh, gave us a gift brought upon by their own needs. It's always the peasants. The uh, actual term pizza has unclear origins, though we know it, it, it predates the invention of what we actually know as pizza. Uh, Fernando Galliana, a, schol a scholar and abbot, was one of the first people to mention pizza in his writings in 1789, though he used it to refer to all forms of cakes and pies made in Naples at the time. Uh, even today, there are some Italian dishes with pizza in the name that are not at all similar. I can't remember the exact name, but one is like a Easter cake. And it's got pizza in the name? Yes. That's not at all like pizza. No. I mean, which I understand was your point, <laughs> but that's like the opposite of pizza. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Wouldn't the opposite of pizza be like kale? <laughs> kale with, I mean, you got to top it with something, right? The anti-cheese. What's anti-cheese? What would that be? I'm not clever enough to think of all this off the no, top of my head. I, I wish I had better goofs, but <laughs> you need to prepare um, so despite, despite this, pizza didn't really come up much in Italian literature and cooking at all at first. Um, why? Well, you yeah, because it was peasant food, right? Exactly. Uh, and it was regional to Naples, but mostly because mm. the poors ate it. And it was food made for and by the <laughs> Lazzaroni, which were the lower class people. 
and had no place in writing about cuisine made for the upper class. Right. People being snotty about it. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it was. So, you know, standard elitist bullshit. (laughs) Uh, The appeal of this dish was that it was so cheap uh, and people could eat pizza during the week, which they did in order to save their money for macaroni on the weekends. Hell yeah. (laughs) This is just going to be an episode of you naming things that I like. (laughs) I mean, get really excited. It's going to be like the first 10 minutes of a My Favorite Murder live show. Money for macaroni on the weekends. Uh, vendors developed a system selling their pizzas in whatever size of slice the customer could afford, which is nice and sounds very familiar. <laughs> There's also the fact that a lot of the Lazzaroni lived in very small spaces that didn't have any sort of cooking facility, so going to vendors was sometimes the only way they could get a hot meal. I know, I made it sad. Yeah. Uh, the first version. I'm just thinking about like. Hmm. Nope, I lost it. Never mind. Cut that out. The first versions of pizza were closer to what we would call a white pizza, uh, using olive oil, lard, and salt as toppings. I would eat it. Right? Uh, Fancier versions included a hard cheese made from horse's milk and little larval fish called Cessinelli. Sure. Uh, I would also probably eat that. I mean, it's what you could do with what you had when tomatoes were still in the process of being popularized and brought over from the New World. Uh, so for a long time, tomatoes were only grown for decoration since people thought they were poisonous, which in their defense, the leaves I are. Mean, yeah. Uh, people also thought that tomatoes were an aphrodisiac. So, you know, that, wow. that was also a thing. Um, it's thought that tomatoes came about as a topping because pizza makers wanted to compete with pasta vendors who were selling macaroni and such uh, topped with tomatoes. But again... The timing of when this actually came about is debated and dated from anywhere between 1743 and the end of the 19th century. So it's weird to me that like tomatoes weren't a thing before. Like obviously they were a thing, but like yeah, yeah, like that's fairly recent in terms of human history of eating tomatoes. What I do know for sure is that canning technology at the end of the 1800s really nailed tomatoes down as a standard topping uh, for pizza napolitano. That sounds right. Because keep in mind, this is all centralized to Naples. Like, they tried opening a pizzeria in Rome uh, before pizza, like, really took the fuck off, and it went out of business. Wow. Can you imagine being a pizza place in Rome and going out of business? I mean, people were, like, snotty, and the, like, native, uh, whatever the word for people from Naples is, uh, there weren't enough of them to keep it open, and people were like, oh, it's poor people food. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So even before canning and tomatoes, for sure, uh, pizzas, pizzerias were putting tables in their establishments so people could sit and have a slice. Uh, this was popular with Spanish soldiers who were stationed in Italy at the time. But for the most part, people uh, ate on the go, like you do. I mean, yeah, it's kind of the nice thing about pizza is it's handheld. Well, yeah, and to do and like to eat it without spilling, they would fold the pizza in half. You know, like you're supposed to. Yeah. Uh, So there's even rumors that uh, marinara sauce is named for the sailors and fishermen who would load up on pizza for breakfast before going out to do their ocean business. What a day. Pizza for breakfast, ocean business. Yeah. Anytime anyone judges you for eating pizza for breakfast, we've been doing it for a long time. Pizza is a breakfast food. It's fact. So not only were the permanent pizza... Nope. Not only were there permanent pizzerias, there were also uh, pizzaioli which I think is how you say it, pizzaioli ambulante, which were 
Pizza vendors who roamed the streets with wooden planks loaded with their wares. God, that sounds great. They did this while singing increasingly elaborate songs about how dope their pizza was. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. Bring this back. Uh, People. This is the new food trucks. People would open their doors or shutters and lower coin-filled baskets down to the street in exchange for a slice. Okay, so you know how they like say if you could go back to any time in history? I don't think you'd want to go to 1800s Italy. But the pizza, Emily. It wasn't good. Like, sure, they were putting all the stuff on it, but lard, salt, and oil? I mean, that's the stuff that makes a good, Emily. (laughs) I mean, you throw some garlic in there and you do have a nice garlic bread, but... Uh, Anyway, so despite its popularity with the working class, other Italians and tourists didn't share the love of this beautiful creation. Uh, One tourist, Samuel Morse, the telegraph guy, once described pizza as a species of the most nauseating cake, covered over with slices of pompadoro or tomatoes and sprinkled with little fish and black pepper, and I know not what other ingredients. It altogether looks like a piece of bread that has been taken reeking out of the sewer. Well, he's a snob. Yeah, I mean. So, while on a visit to Naples in 1889, King Umberto I and Queen Margarita... (gasps) Wait a minute. Yeah, you know where this is going. They grew tired of complicated French dishes that they were served for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I get it. Hastily summoned to prepare some local specialities for the Queen, uh, the pizziolo Raphael Esposito cooked three sorts of pizza. One with lard, cheese, and basil. Another with the little fish... And a third with tomatoes, mozzarella, and basil. The best kind. The queen was delighted. Her uh, favorite, which is the last of the three, was christened Pizza Margarita in her honor. I didn't know that was a story. I like that story. It's rumored. Wow. Well, well, I'm going to believe it. Also, it has the colors of the Italian flag. Very important. Uh, so this signaled an important shift. Margarita's seal of approval was not, like, not only elevated the pizza from being poor food uh, to being something royal, uh, but it transformed pizza into a, like, national dish. And it transformed pizza from, a like, a local food into a national dish. Um, and it kind of introduced to people the fact that pizza was a genuinely Italian food, like pasta or polenta. However, pizza was, However. Pizza was still slow to move out of Naples. The initial spur was uh, provided by migration to other parts of Italy. Right, so they moved and brought it with them. Basically. It's kind of like how people from the Midwest moved to, I don't know, other places and brought cheese curds. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) So um, from the 1930s onward, a growing number of uh, Neapolitans moved northwards in search of work, taking their food with them. Uh, This trend was accelerated by the war. Uh, That usually gets the job done. When Allied soldiers invaded Italy in 1934 or 1943 through 1934, they were so taken with pizza that um, taken with the pizza that they encountered that they asked for it wherever they went. So we have Mussolini to thank for the popularity of pizza. He wasn't an ally. He was Axis, right? No, that's what I'm saying. Like because he because we had to intercede. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, this is 100% Mussolini then. <laughs> Hitler brought us pizza. <laughs> That's fun. I never thought of it that I'm way. sure no one will take that seriously. No, the poll quote for this episode is going to be, Hitler brought us pizza. <laughs> so now you get to picture Taika Waititi holding a Domino's box. Because he's playing Hitler in that movie. Yes, no. No, I caught it. Uh, but it was tourism, facilitated by the declining cost of travel in the post-war period, that really consolidated pizza's position as a truly Italian dish. 
As tourists became increasingly curious about Italian food, restaurants throughout the peninsula started offering more regional specialties, including pizza. Pizza. Uh, the quality at first was, quote, variable, as not every <laughs> restaurant... I mean, that's still true. As not every restaurant had a pizza oven. Uh, nevertheless, pizza spread quickly throughout Italy. Uh, as it did so, new ingredients were introduced in response to local taste at, and the higher prices that customers were now willing to pay. You know, like, we did the same thing that we do with everything, is poor people liked it, so we took it and then made it expensive. I mean, that's just the history of the world right there. So now, since this led to the development of new kinds of pizzas, um, we're going to discuss, like, the different kinds of traditional Italian pizza. Okay. The first one's kind of a doozy, because, you know, like I said, we had to take something that poor people did and make it complicated. Uh, so, pizza napolitana, or... I don't know. There's an Italian in the house, and I feel we're pronouncing stuff. You should just bring Travis in, and then whenever you have to pronounce an Italian word, make him no, do it. No, his family's from the quote-unquote Swiss part of Italy. So way up north. He is from northern Italy, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's hard to believe he's Italian. Really? His name D'Ambrogi. <laughs> I thought he was German. Well, a little bit, but okay. So pizza Napolitana is the original pizza. And it is very hard to make correctly. Um, it's traditionally topped with buffalo milk mozzarella, tomatoes from the San Marzano region of Italy, where volcanic rock in the soil makes them sweeter, uh, fresh basil, olive oil, and a lot of pretension. That sounds so good, though. So it's my favorite kind of pizza is when it's just very simple. Oh, no, I love simple, simple pizza. Um, so why is this food such a pain in the ass to make now? Because in 1984, a group of Italian... Uh, Italians got together and decided that there needed to be standards that dictate what was real and authentic pizza napolitana. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and read you some excerpts from their website. Oh, boy. It has a dumb name. It's a certification that you can get. Ah, oh, yes. The uh, Vera Pizza Nap Napolitana movement, um, where they have their rules and guidelines. So one, Nap the uh, Neapolitan pizza is roundish. With a <laughs> diameter of maximum 35 centimeters. What is that in inches? I have no idea. Hey, Siri. <laughs> What's 35 centimeters in inches? 35 centimeters is 13.78 inches. Okay. Uh, the Neapolitan pizza presents a raised edge, swollen and free from burns, of 1 to 2 centimeters. The Neapolitan pizza must be soft and fragrant, like a lady. <laughs> For Verace Pizza Napolitana, uh, the dough balls must weigh between 200 and 280 grams. To oh, obtain, so we're even... Damn. To obtain a pizza with a diameter between 22 and 35 centimeters. Once the loaves are formed, a second leavening takes place in boxes for food of variable duration, depending on the temperature and humidity of the environment and the absorption of the flour used. I am already so tired. <laughs> Maturation consists of a series of biochemical and enzymatic processes that split the most complex structures, proteins, and starches into simpler elements. Are you loving this? The Neapolitan, yeah, the bleh. The true Neapolitan pizza must be garnished with ingredients, preferably from the Campania regions. <sighs> the peeled tomato, crushed by hand, doesn't have to look too dense, but chunky. That was a direct... The thing is, like, I understand, like, wanting to, like, set some standards... Like, do you think the people who originally were making this pizza were this bothered by, like... No. No. They didn't give a shit. It was poor people food. <laughs> in a case of fresh tomato, it has to be chopped in slices. 
The buffalo mozzarella chopped in slices or the fior di latte chopped into strips, different kind of cheese, have to be spread uniformly on the pizza. The grated cheese, if used, has to be spread on the pizza with a circular and uniform movement of the hand. Wow. Fresh basil. And you'll be able to tell if you weren't circular with it. The fresh basil leaves are just put on the condiments. That's a direct quote. I think this was translated from Italian. Mm, Yeah, this definitely sounds like something that has been through Google Translate. The extra virgin olive oil is poured with a spiral motion. The cooking must be done exclusively in a wood-fired oven, which has reached a temperature between 430 and 480 degrees Celsius. Hey, Siri. What is 480 degrees Celsius in Fahrenheit? 480 degrees Celsius is 896 degrees Fahrenheit. A really hot oven. (laughs) But with these temperatures, just insert the pizza for 60 to 90 seconds. The pizza will cook evenly across the circumference. Here we have our Neapolitan pizza. Beware of imitations and enjoy your pizza. Beware of imitations. So that's... Because if you don't crush the tomatoes by hand, it's not going to taste as good. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the guidelines for it to be a certified real Neapolitan pizza. Anything else is just pizza with tomatoes and mozzarella and basil, I guess. For the peasants. For the peasants, by the peasants. Um, yeah. It. The part that bothers me is that... The quality of the ingredients is also covered under their regulation. So if you have a lesser quality cheese, it's not like see real. And it, that I would get because that does affect the taste of the pizza. But it undermines the spirit of the fact that it was a pizza for people who didn't have a lot of money. True. And also just like using what you had on hand to make your bread taste better. Well, that's where we get pizza tonda, which I'm sure is pronounced with more flair. So pizza tonda is the standard pizza that's found all over Italy. It's made into round individual portions that are meant to be eaten fresh out of the oven, and it has traditional toppings like basil, mozzarella, tomatoes, garlic, cured meats, and whatever. It's basically what pizza Neapolitan would be if it doesn't meet the standards. Right. And then lastly, there's pizza, frita, and calzones. I allowed um, some time in the script for you to make all of your Ben Wyatt jokes and get them out of the way. Now you're putting me on the spot again, because I immediately thought of a Ben Wyatt joke, and then you waited I thought you and would just I make it. it. All I can think of is the episode where he gets sick from eating the calzones. Yeah. And he's so, the calzones betrayed me. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my best Ben Wyatt impression. You're welcome, I'm, everybody. I'm, I'm glad we took that time out of the uh, the episode to let you get that out. I'm sure the listeners appreciated it. They, they usually do. Um, all right. So Pizza Frida and Pizza Calzone came about around World War II when fresh ingredients were hard to come by. You know, because of the war. I wonder how that affected... No, I'm kidding. I was making a dumb joke. (laughs) Uh, Pizza Frida, in particular, is a descendant of dishes that dated back to the 1500s, which were uh, doughs stuffed with all sorts of things like fish, fish, and a different kind of fish, according to the book I was reading. (laughs) After World War II, the city of Naples found itself in crisis, and materials needed for pizza, mozzarella, and even wood for the ovens became a luxury. Uh, Fried pizza... A less expensive alternative, nicknamed Pizza of the People, was filled with less less expensive ingredients like pork crackling and ricotta. Uh, Housewives sold it on the streets to supplement the family's income. Um, And times were so hard that you could even get Pizza Frida on credit. (laughs) Which actually goes back to a tradition, um, like the original pizza sellers who would operate... Hold on, where is it? Um, There were uh, pizza sellers like way back in like the 1800s who operated out of basements and offered pizza... um, (laughs) Pizza a Aji a Oto, which means 
Pete, that's a lot of vowels. Pizza today, pizza for today for eight days, which tr- like means that you could have a slice of pizza if you paid within eight days. Oh, okay. It's basically, uh, layaway. Not not even layaway. It was earliest version of credit. And this setup was depicted in the Sophia Loren film Loro di Napoli, which I did not have time to watch because I was reading all these goddamn books. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah. I was going to say, you should have watched Roman Holiday, except I don't think they ever ate pizza in Roman Holiday. I've also never seen that movie. <gasps> Emily. I know. I was a white girl in the early 2000s, and I still didn't. We'll, we'll fix that sometime. Some. It's my favorite movie, because I'm a basic white girl. Yeah, but I love you. <laughs> my favorite movie is Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I feel at least that gives you a personality. Mrs. Doubtfire? Yeah, I'd say like Mrs. Doubtfire, um, Rocket Man. Yeah. Yeah, maybe The Exorcist. Interesting. Yeah, that's a th- that's the combination <laughs> I would expect from you. That kind of sums you up in a nice ties in a nice little bow. I mean Ratatouille is also in there, as is the Little Mermaid, but like, where do you stop with the list? <laughs> I was gonna say, if you start listing formative Disney films, you're never going to stop. <laughs> All of them. Specifically Coco right now. Fuck, I should have done a Dia de los Muertos episode. Whatever. Next year for Halloween. Actually, it's November 2nd, but... What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, pizza on credit. Um, Yeah, so So you could buy a pizza Frida and pay him within eight days. That's... Nice. See, when you originally said that, I thought it was something like, you just eat pizza for eight days, and I'm like... No, no, it... I mean, we've all done that. The translation (laughs) of the Italian phrase is pizza for now and for eight days. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Eat pizza now. And also eat pizza and then for eight days. eating pizza. Um, anyway, so calzone came to exist after the popularity of Pizza Frida, but are baked in the same ovens as the pizza to spare the pizzeria owner the added cost of installing a deep fryer. So again, poor people were right. doing a thing, and then businessmen were like, we need to do that, but we don't want to pay for a deep fryer. <laughs> Thus, the calzone was born. So those are the important Italian pizzas. Are you ready to go to America? Hell yes. I'm already here. Yes, you are middle America. I would rather be in Italy right now. <laughs> so by the end of the 19th century, Italian emigrants had already reached uh, the East Coast. And in 1905, the first pizzeria, Lombardi's, was opened in New York City. So it started early. Yeah. I was going to say, it almost kind of surprises me that like pizza was in America before it like even really took off in Italy. Yeah. Like uh, um, immigrant uh, emigrants from... Uh, Naples just came over and like, yes, this is our food. And we Americans were like, ooh, ah, because another thing we can appropriate. Exactly. And we didn't have that like, oh, but that's for the pores that like Italy had because, you know, I mean, we do, but like not in that specific instance. So soon beca- uh, pizza became an American institution spreading across the country in step with the growing pace of like urbanization and people spreading out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was quickly taken up by enterprising restaurateurs, who were often not from an Italian background, <laughs> and adapted to reflect local tastes, identities, and needs. For example, in the Midwest, they prefer a sweeter sauce, so it was adjusted accordingly. Do you know what like a Minnesota-style pizza is? Because it's a thing. No, and that wasn't on my list, but... Um, I didn't think it would be. Well, we're Cause it's talking about a- only a thing if you're like in Minnesota. What the fuck is it? How have you ruined pizza? We haven't ruined pizza. It's just like it has to be a really thin crust, yeah. like kind of a little crispy, uh, and then you got to square cut it. Oh, my dude. That's something different that we'll talk about later. No, it's a Minnesota style pizza. Not according. To, we invented it. Not according to Wikipedia. 
We're coming up on the first game. Oh boy, I'm so excited. From the 1950s onwards, the rapid pace of uh, economical and technological changes in the U.S. transformed pizza even more. So two changes are worthy of mentioning. Uh, The first was the quote-unquote domestication of pizza. Okay. So we taught it to sleep indoors and poop in a box. Um, As disposable incomes grew, fridges uh, fridges and freezers became increasingly more common and the demand for convenience foods grew, promoting the development of my favorite and yours, frozen pizzas. Ah, the tombstones of the world. I, that shouldn't be where your mind first goes. Tombstone pizza is an atrocity. I'm not saying it's a good <laughs> one. It's just the first that came to mind. This is a Red Baron household. <laughs> hey, that's a Minnesota brand. Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Thanks for not I'm pretty sure it's made by Schwann's. I will find a Minnesota connection if it's the last thing I do for everything. Uh, Wild Mike's is also really good. I don't know if that's a thing that everybody has. I Nope, I've never heard of it. It doesn't exist because we don't eat it here. Okay. You guys also put egg noodles in everything. So <laughs> welcome to being part of the problem. Um, designed to be taken home and cooked at... This article said at will. Uh, it required changes to be made to the recipe so instead of being scattered with generous slices of tomato the base was now covered in a smooth tomato paste ah which prevented the dough from drying out during cooking right interesting okay and new cheeses had to be developed to withstand freezing which meant no soft fresh mozzarella you got a hard grateable mozzarella with a lot of the moisture content taken out Uh, The second change was the commercialization of pizza. With the growing availability of cars and motorcycles, I don't know why they specified motorcycles in what I was reading, but they did, it became possible to deliver freshly cooked food to customers' doors, and pizza was among the first dishes to be served. I mean, I can't think of any food that does better with delivery than pizza. Chinese, I guess. Yeah. In 1960, James Monaghan founded Dominic's in Michigan, and after winning a oh, reputation no. for speedy delivery, took their company, which they renamed, you want to guess? Pizza Hut. Domino's. <laughs> Nationwide. So that's the guy that founded Domino's. And then there were also two businessmen from, I want to say somewhere in the Midwest, that founded Pizza Hut. So these are not like restaurateurs who are like people who know restaurants who are starting its businessmen to make right. monies. Yeah. Uh, so, so like this is an easy franchisable exactly. thing. So particularly like early in pizza's commercial life, people were demanding quote ethnic dishes like egg noodles, bagels, pasta, and pizza, which is why a lot of pizza branding relies so heavily on imagery like mobsters, old Italian grandmas, and names like Papa. Yeah, that sounds about right. I can name at least four pizzerias where I grew up that had Papa in the name. <laughs> Yeah, Papa John. I was gonna say there's what there's a chain here called Godfather's Pizza. Yeah, yeah I mean that that yeah. was a, a national chain. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't know how far that was out. But. Yeah. Um no, we had the Papa John's, Papa Murphy's. Do you guys have Papa Murphy's? Yeah, we have Papa okay. Murphy's. Uh there was Papa's Pizza, which is where I had just a shitload of birthday parties. <laughs> and um I wanna say there's a Poppy's pizza now. Anyways, so like since people wanted ethnic foods to be fancy and shit that like people let's go with the most stereotypical sounding no exactly yeah. that's exactly what it was i like how bagels was listed as an ethnic food like i get it they're <laughs> jewish and stuff but all right so we're gonna play a game yay called name that variant i'm less excited so what is this in this game i'm going to give you the name of a style of pizza native to north america okay and you're going to guess how it's different than normal pizza. Oh, boy. And these are only some of the variants. 
so everyone can crawl out of my ass just in advance. Okay. And I have, like, write-ups for each kind, so even if you fucking blow it, I still have some information here. I will blow it. Let's start easy. Hawaiian style. Oh, it's got the pineapple on it, like, because you don't have a soul. Is that it? Is that your full answer? Yes. Uh, so- oh, and also, like, ham, right? <laughs> Same and pineapple. That's a Hawaiian pizza. You were correct. Um, So that's okay. one point, Sarah. Uh, so it's, I get hung up on the pineapple. Hawaiian style is less a style and more a topping where a Canadian was like, sure, and put ham and pineapple <laughs> on a pizza and created one of the most divisive dishes on the planet. Um, I like Canadian bacon and pineapple on my pizzas. I was going to say, I've never actually had it. It's what? just like the thought of pine. I can't do it. I I also, I'm very basic when it comes to my pizza choices. I mean, like, I, like I don't a, like a lot of toppings. I like a period. very simple pizza. Like, I don't like ones that have, like, eight different kinds of veggies and shit on them. But I do enjoy no, yeah. this Hawaiian. Um, let's get, let's ask the uh, the penis gallery. Hey, butthead, Hawaiian pizza? Yes? No? That's a yes. Well, two against one. But you also are soulless, godless West Coast liberals, so. You're a soulless, godless Midwest liberal. <laughs> You interned for the Democratic Party. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think it's fine. I uh, But I do like pizzas that, I mean, pepperoni and olive is my favorite. Maybe with some garlic. If I'm doing like a standardized pizza. If I'm doing a fancy pizza, give me some of that uh, pancetta on there. All right, next one. New York style pizza. Isn't the thing, I know it's a style. I couldn't tell you what's like different about it. It's supposed to be like this, I know, like, the slices are bigger and you're supposed to, like, fold them. Uh, so New York-style pizza is made with a uh, large hand-tossed thin crust. Uh, it's often so- uh, often sold in wide slices to go, so you were right. Um, the, uh, the crust is thick and crispy along its edge, uh, yet soft and thin um, in the middle to allow it to be folded in half but still have a pretty solid base. Right. Uh, traditional toppings are tomato sauce and shredded mozzarella cheese. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, next. Chicago style deep dish, and you pour the sauce over the top. Yes, Chicago style very pizza good. is distinguished by a thick, moist crust formed up the sides of a deep dish pan, and sauce as the last ingredient added on top of the cheese and toppings. Stuffed versions have two layers of crust with the sauce on top. Ugh, um, I'm having a heart attack just thinking about it. It's so good. They're gonna get weirder as we go on. So if you could please describe what you think Detroit style pizza is. I have no earthly idea. It's made with motor oil. I don't actually. I don't know. That's not like you're on to something. <laughs> that was a joke, guys. Do you don't you dare say that was right. Uh, Detroit style pizza is a square pizza similar to the Sicilian style, which means it has like a thick kind of spongy crust uh, that has a thick uh, dish, crisp crust, and toppings such as pepperoni and olives, and is served with the marinara sauce on top. The square shape is a result of an early tradition of using metal trays originally meant to hold small parts in factories. That tracks. You see, this is different from Minnesota style, though, because Minnesota, it's still around pizza. Oh, just wait. Just wait. You just cut it into squares. Uh, California style. What do you know about that? Uh, full of kale. Again, you're not, like, wrong. California style pizza is distinguished by the use of non-traditional ingredients, especially varieties of fresh produce. Some typical California style toppings include Thai... Chicken pizza with peanut sauce, bean sprouts and shaved carrots, taco pizzas, and pizza with chicken and barbecue sauce as toppings. Barbecue chicken pizza is my fucking jam. Yeah, see, that's the stuff I can never really get into. It's like if I want a pizza, I want like a pepperoni pizza. I 
uh, don't like marinara that much, which is why I prefer pizzas that have like the whole crushed tomatoes instead of like a sauce. Um, or I like a white pizza or I like barbecue sauce. <laughs> All right. St. Louis style pizza. I can't even think of a funny joke one. Uh, I know nothing about St. Louis. St. Louis style pizza Except the arches. is a variant of thin crust pizza popular around St. Louis and Southern Illinois, notable for its distinctive use of, use of provol cheese instead of, uh, or in addition to, mozzarella. Its crust is thin enough to become very crunchy in the oven, sometimes being compared to a cracker, and the toppings are usually sliced instead of diced. Even though round, St. Louis style pies are always cut into small squares. No, that's our thing. St. Louis we has the that. Wikipedia article, my dude. No, they're wrong. That's our thing. You guys have cheese stuffed burgers. I'll just let St. Louis have it. They don't have a lot. Never. Um, this one, you- we invented everything that's good and cool. Wisconsin invented cheese curds. Um, Colorado style pizza. You know this one. I'm not talking to you anymore. Tell me what a fucking Colorado style pizza is. <laughs> uh got bull's testicles on it no <laughs> uh colorado style pizza is also known as colorado mountain pie god damn it colorado it is a okay. very thick crust made with honey and braided and used to hold in large piles of toppings ranging from traditional things that might belong on a california pizza sometimes but not all the times locals will dip the crust in honey when the pizza is finished and eat it as a dessert i mean that sounds delicious but i also i've never heard of this before and i've been to colorado many times i don't know what to tell you um the crust is my favorite part of the pizza so like that sounds amazing that sounds really good i might try that actually and lastly grandma pizza grandma pizza it has dentures it is a thin square pizza typically with cheese and tomatoes and it is reminiscent of pizzas cooked at home by italian housewives without a pizza oven it was popularized on long island that's kind of sweet so good work nostalgic yeah because i i got so many of those right i mean you got the first parts right so like good for you there so before we play our next game we're going to talk a little bit about the spread of standardized pizza to the rest of the world Standardized pizza in this case meaning like the round crust, tomato sauce, hard mozzarella toppings. Right. Um, So Italy perfected this food, but America made goddamn sure that everybody had access to it. Oh, yes. And America. (laughs) I mean, while we should probably consider being respectful of the culture it came from, there is something very admirable about making sure everybody in the world has cheap, easy (laughs) food. You're welcome planet earth yeah i mean there are pizza huts in in russia there are pizza huts in poland india japan for damn sure oh for sure there are pizza places on army bases um actually hey bye hat uh a penis gallery uh did you guys have a pizza like pizza places on base when you were in the marines pizza hut in afghanistan you say was it local or did you guys bring it with you it was on the british base (laughs) So there you have it. There's something very admirable admirable about that. Like an American pizza franchise. On a British British military base base in Afghanistan. So Americans can eat it in Afghanistan. I love it. I really like that. That's just a great concept to me for some reason. Yeah. So, I mean, pizza's had a very widespread. It's, like I said, it came from Italy, but it may not be Italy's anymore. (laughs) We took it from you. It's ours now. Um, So while the base... The dough, sauce, cheese has generally stayed the same. Pizza can vary immensely from country to country. 
as each culture puts its own spin on it. And I'm not talking about like different flatbreads that have different toppings like the um, Hungarian one you were telling me about. Oh, Longos. Yeah, like that's just. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a pizza. It's a similar concept to a it's pizza. It's a flatbread with shit but, on it, which we have established yeah. people have been putting shit on flatbread since literally before written history. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, each country has made it their own, their own, or sometimes the marketing teams at the franchises present in whatever country has come up with what they think <laughs> people will like based what local pizza would Correct. be. Correct. Some combinations are weird. Some I would totally. I get would down hope on. so. Um, so that leads us to our final game, yay! And our kind of our wrap up. Um, I am going to list the toppings on an international pizza, and you are going to try to guess what country that pizza is from. This actually sounds like a lot of fun. I'm super jazzed. The other game wasn't fun. <laughs> no, because <laughs> I had to think of things. I could just name countries. Okay, the first one: sardines, tuna. Mackerel, salmon, and onions. Hell. Is that your final guess? Yes. Or do you have an actual guess? No. Named for the capital city of Moscow, Russia's unusual combination of sardines, tuna, mackerel, salmon, and onions, or makba, is heavy on both fish and strong odors. It would be fucking Russia. <laughs> Next one. Okay. Eel. I'm going to take it seriously this okay, time. Okay. Eel. And squid ink. Japan. Correct. Yes. The squid ink is sometimes used as a replacement for the red sauce. Interesting. Next one. Mayo, bacon, and potatoes. Wisconsin. It's not a country. It's Japan again. I was going to guess like an England or a Scotland. No. But uh, sometimes, and it's not included here, Japan will also put sweet corn on their pizzas. Uh, sure. I've actually had pizza with potatoes on it, and it's not bad. No, I mean, potatoes don't really taste like anything. No, it's just kind yeah. of, yeah. Um. Next. Tuna. That's it? Yep. Norway. In Germany, tuna is one of the most popular ways to finish off a pizza. I would not expect that. Like, is it like canned tuna? Like, they're a landlocked country. I, I honestly didn't dig that far into a German tuna pizza. Yeah. No, that's fine. I wouldn't want to oh, either. The slideshow for this episode is going to be bananas. <laughs> Remember, Instagram only limits us to 10 pictures. Apples. Cinnamon, butter, heaven, America. Thank you. It's a dessert pizza. Does sound really good. Yeah, it does. I love a good dessert pizza. Like a nice streusel topping. My favorite dessert pizza. Did your Dairy Queens ever do the treats of pizzas? Yes. Oh, God. Those are so good. <laughs> um, God bless America. Next one. Creme fraiche. France? Yes, it is France. I mean... It's a pretty Frenchy thing. A specialty of France's Alscasse region, a tarte flambe, flambe uh, gets rid of the traditional tomato sauce in favor of creme fraiche, which, in case you didn't know, is like a soured cream, which is milder than our soured cream, and it doesn't curdle. I was going to say, I literally have it in my fridge right now. It's delicious. It's like a cross yeah, between great. Uh, sour cream and like mascarpone. Yeah. Um, what else do they put on it? Is it just the creme fraiche? It's traditionally topped with... Thinly sliced onions and lard on, uh, strips of savory pork fat, or bacon. Though subtypes of um, this, uh, which the name of it translates to pie baked in flames, uh, may swap <laughs> in mushrooms, apples, or cinnamon if you want to make it a mm. dessert pizza. So creme fraiche with apples and cinnamon. I might have to try that sometime. All right. Our last international pizza. If you don't get this, you may have to leave the podcast. Oh, no. Crocodile, emu, and kangaroo. Fucking Australia. Yep. 
Uh, Australia. How they always gotta be super extra about Australia it. Australia frequently uses a number of exotic animals on top of their pizzas, often with barbecue sauce. They would, of course, it's barbecue sauce. So that all of my coughing fits and stuff and losing of notes included <laughs> uh, is pizza, which you're going to leave in every single silence. There's like right? five minutes of me like trying to get the scratch out of my throat. So no, <laughs> I I mean. I, I dug very deep for this episode. and That uh, is, I actually feel like I learned a lot. <laughs> Not that I like don't feel that frequently from your episodes, but that's a lot of stuff I did not know. Yeah, it, it is a very deep like history rooted in one specific part of Italy because the rest of Italy was like, mm, pores. <laughs> the pores. The pores. But yeah, that's how we got pizza. I really want some pizza now. Yeah, I have some garlic naan. That sounds good. Ooh. Yeah, so if you have opinions about pizza topping, actually, no. Don't fucking tweet us at Afternoonified with your opinions on Hawaiian pizza. I don't care. Wrong. I want people <laughs> to start a fight in our Facebook group over pizza toppings. Um, well, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash getafternoonified. On Instagram, which is a weird place to start a fight at Afternoonified, uh, getafternoonified.com, where you can look at past episodes, donate to our tip jar, buy our merch. Um, what else? Uh, rate, subscribe, review, all of that fun stuff. Oh, email us. Uh, we're at afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. And, um, I mean, I'm going to play an ad for them right after this, but check out the other shows on the, uh, Sobolo podcast network. Yes, um, they're all wonderful. It occurred to me that I forgot to, like, mention the network in all of the episodes that we recorded ahead of time. So, like, Oops. the network is about to launch in our time right now but this is going to be coming out in like fucking november we really need to be more on top of uh air dates when we record merry christmas motherfuckers (laughs) oh hello it's me the ghost who haunts your phone. Just kidding, it's actually me, Avalon, the host of Boohaha, which is a thing that I do. A podcast, if you will, that happens some weeks, not all. Don't wait up, it's fine, we'll call you. Shut up. Anyway, it's about ghosts and tangents. Mostly tangents, if I'm being entirely honest. So join me each and every week-ish as I gather the funniest people I know to a campfire that I build in my living room and then regale them with spooky tales of boogans and googas. Oh, also, it's a comedy podcast, if that wasn't clear from the vibe, you know. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below.